This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. You sure are. Just a couple minutes after 4 o'clock. And oh, look at that. The phone lines are already open and ready for you. Yeah, 604-280-9898 with your employment, your job questions. You want to have a question about uh, your boss, maybe you're an employer. And you got a few questions uh, been uh, scratching your head over for the last uh, you know few days, couple weeks. Uh, now's the time to call star 9898 on your cell as well to get a hold of us. And uh, have a bit of a chin wag with Lior. Get some answers, uh, at least uh, the beginning of some answers underway before you want to carry on further. You can do that, help at employmenthour.com to reach out as well, and we'll get to a bunch of emails later on in the show uh, in that regard. We're going to get into uh, fresh on the heels of fake news, which is, uh, well, really is in the news lately. We're going to get to what fake resignations are. What does that mean by that? Well, we'll get Lior to tell you in just a bit. In that regard, first though, brother, we always start with the, uh, the week that was. What has been happening on your end? Hey, John, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be back. It's great to be uh, having the opportunity to speak to as many people as possible about employment law and workplace rights and to hopefully make f- people feel better about any problems that they're facing. Now, this is the time of year, you know, summer's you know, over essentially. People are kind of back to work. And this is the time of year where employers are starting to make changes, yeah. uh, you know, restructuring, realignment. Uh, there's many adjectives that could be used for, for uh, what what is happening. But for many people, that may mean their job may change or their job may no longer exist. Well, if that ever happens to you, you need to understand your rights. You need to know what you're owed. You need to know what to do. So that's what this show is all about, to inform you and to arm you with that knowledge. If something ever happens to you today, tomorrow, next year, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to say. And, of course, if you want to ask specific questions, take the opportunity right now. We are live uh, for for the next uh, you know 45 50 minutes or so to answer those questions take advantage uh, we can solve your problems about anything to do with employment law workplace law uh, rights labor law and uh, if you want to talk to me privately you don't necessarily want to go on air you want to discuss that problem that you have with me just off air not a problem we'll give you my information contact number uh, and email throughout the show so stay tuned for that but week there was a couple situations that came across my desk while we're waiting for our first uh, calls. Uh, both these matters, John, I'll tell you about have to do with uh, changes to shifts. When an employer trying to change some some shifts around and what that meant and and what the rights were of the employees. The first one I'll tell you about, and it was an interesting situation. Uh, this particular gentleman had worked always essentially with his company a 6:30 a.m. to 3:30 p.m. shift. Right. He was fine with it, been doing it, no problem. Recently, though, the company came to him and said, well, we're going to change it. Instead of 6.30 to 3.30, we're going to do 8.30 to 5.30. Well, other than the fact that he didn't like it, this posed another interesting problem for him. Because he worked 6.30 in the morning to 3.30 in the afternoon, he was able to avoid bad traffic. He could get into the office in about 30 minutes flat, no problem. Well... If he has to come in at 8.30 and he has to, uh, to leave at 5.30, now he's in, in the midst of rush hour, bad traffic. It adds another hour to his commute each way. Well, the problem for this uh-huh. gentleman, he had a bad back. And sitting in the car for long periods of time was terrible for him. It, it would cause him a lot of pain. He'd have to go on meds. Very bad situation. So half hour in the car, not a problem. An hour and a half in the car, huge, huge problem. Sure. Well, he talked to the company about that. He told him about this problem. He even suggested to give him a doctor's note, said, you got to help me out. I, I just can't do it. 
They said, too bad, can't do it, that's your issue, we're changing the shift, and you have no choice about it. Well, very upset, he called me, and he wanted to know what his rights were. Well, let's start with the obvious and think, and say that an employer does not have the right to make significant changes to your shifts, to your hours of work, to, to your shift structure. If they do, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. So right off the bat, going from 6.30 to 3.30 to 8.30 to 5.30 is not something the company was allowed to do, but it gets more interesting than that. He had a medical condition, a bad back. An employer has to accommodate him. Once his employer knew that he cannot do the 8.30 to 5.30 shift, he cannot do it because for medical reasons, uh, he's, uh, he, he's, he, it's going to impact him. It's going to make him sure. worse. He even provided or agreed or wanted to provide them with the doctor's note. They had to accommodate him. That means allowing him to, uh, to work his old shift or doing something to make sure that he is, his medical condition doesn't get worse. They didn't do that. That's a human rights violation as well. So a company cannot just do what it wants, cannot make significant changes. And if an employee has a medical condition that requires accommodation, the company has to do everything in its power to accommodate. So here we have a constructive dismissal. We have a human rights violation as well. Uh, and this employee is going to be leaving this job. He's going to get his severance. He's going to get human rights damages. So for employers out there, be smart. You can't just impose changes without considering the effect that it may have on your employees. If you're an employer or an employee ever in that situation, give me a call before you do anything. You know, we did mention the uh, number to reach out uh, when we're not on the air here. Get a hold of you at the firm. That is 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. But, uh, again, the phone lines are open here. For the remainder of this show this afternoon, 604-280-9898. I'm sure you know that number by now. Or star 9898 by cell. What else you got going on, pal? I spoke with a lady who had worked at a major financial institution, a bank, uh, and she was working part-time. She was working 21 hours spread over three days. So three days a week, 21 hours total. Gotcha. Been doing it for a long time. Loved it. Uh, was working beautifully for her. She was doing some other stuff as well. So she could do everything, including her family obligations. No problem. Well, the, uh, the bank recently decided, we're going to change this. We're still going to have you work 21 hours a week, but we want that over five days. So instead of three days, now you're going to work five days for the same total of 21 hours uh, every single week. Well, obviously for her, this was a big problem. Now, instead of being there for three days, she's going to be there for five days. It's going to impact everything else she has planned, everything else she's doing during the week. And she told them, I don't want to do it. And she got the same line, as I said before, well, too bad. That's what we're doing. You don't have a choice. She calls me. And guess what, John? She does have a choice. Because it's illegal. They can't do that. That is a constructive dismissal. It's the same thing we were talking about before. Even though they're not reducing her hours, they're not increasing her hours, the hours are the same, the structure of her week has changed. Instead of three days a week, she's going to be working five days a week. The employer, the bank, does not have the right to do that. So she can accept it, of course, if she wants. She doesn't want to. And because of that, she can treat that as a constructive dismissal. Now, she's been with the bank for for 18 years, just going on 18 years now, and she would probably be owed about 16 months of pay, something in that range. Wow. So that's what's at stake for her. I'm going to help her get that. Uh, so remember, if you're ever in that situation, an employer does not have a right to, to make significant changes to the terms of employment. This is just one example when it comes to your hours of work, to your shift, to, to how your shift is structured. If any of those changes happen, those are big deals. It's a fundamental change. 
Uh, you, you may have a right to treat that as a constructive dismissal, but before you just hand in your resignation letter and say, I'm out of here, I want you to call me. We need to talk about it. Again, the number is uh, 604-280-9898. Still a couple minutes here before we uh, we take our first break, so I want to get right into this. Fake resignation, that's what you <laughs> sent me. What is a fake resignation? What, what's the definition and why are we uh, why are we going into this, this on this show? Well, uh, you know, we, we hear a lot about fake news, fake this, yeah. fake that. Well, let's talk about fake resignations, which uh, is actually a serious thing, and it, it, it's not they're certainly not funny, and it's something that happens very, very often. So we, we need to understand what that is. So a, a fake resignation is a resignation that the law does not actually consider to be a resignation. And that happens when the person doesn't leave voluntarily, when the person does not leave unilaterally. So if you're leaving because someone told you you had to or because you didn't have a choice, something happened in the workplace, oh my God, I have no choice but to leave, this is a terrible situation, or someone threatened you that you better leave or else, okay, I guess, oh my God, they they put the proverbial gun to my head, I have to leave. If you leave as a result of those things, that is not a resignation. That is a termination because you're not leaving you're not resigning because you want to. You just felt like to go work somewhere else. You're resigning because you had no choice. That is a fake resignation, mm-hmm. also known as a termination. And the reason why it's important to understand the difference is if you're ever in a fake resignation situation, if you resigned because you didn't have a choice, and that's a termination, you are owed severance as right. if the company flat out terminated you. So that's what we want to talk about. You bet. We were talking about uh, what we call fake resignations when it's not a real resignation. And uh, again, 604-280-9898 to make a phone call, call in, ask some questions for the remainder of the show. We're just getting a call lined up here. We'll get to that very shortly. So bringing them on, we're ready to uh, to talk to you. So just to recap over the last couple minutes, uh, what is a real resignation and does one get severance if he resigns? So a real resignation, as opposed to a fake one, a real resignation is something that a person does voluntarily. Something that a person does because they decided, for their own reasons, they don't want to work for the company. Not because they had to, not because they didn't have a choice. Oh, maybe it's a situation where you have a better job. Hey, you resign because of a better job. That's fine. That is a resignation. Maybe you decide you want to spend more time with your family. Maybe you decided to go back to school. All of those are legitimate, perfectly fine reason you can resign. Now, if you actually resign, if it's a real resignation, not a fake one, then no, you don't get severance. You don't get compensation. You decide to leave. That's fine. But that's very different from a fake resignation. A fake resignation uh, or an involuntary resignation, if you will, is a resignation that happens, as I said, because you didn't have a choice, because someone told you you had to, or because a work situation was created that made it very difficult to continue working. Because that is considered to be a termination in the eyes of the law, you do get severance. You could get your full severance. So real resignation, a voluntary one, no severance, a fake resignation, you get your full severance. Again, you want to contact Lior, email the show at help at employmenthour.com and 604-283-3123 to chat off air. Uh, but to make a phone call here, we got lots of time, lots of room. Phone lines are open, star 9898 on your cell or 604-280-9898 to, uh, 
to have an opinion or, or ask a question here. So we're talking about uh, face resignations. What if an employee is told to resign or else? You know, it's the old, you know, I expect your resignation on my desk by 4 o'clock today. <laughs> that type of thing, right? That is something that happens often. I've spoken with dozens, uh, if not more, people over the years that found themselves in that situation. You know, you have to resign or I'm going to let you go. Or I expect your letter of resignation uh, immediately or tomorrow. And many situations, a person is going to hand in their letter of resignation. That is not a resignation. You're not leaving because you've decided you don't want to work there. You're leaving in that situation because your employer has decided you're not going to work there anymore. Well, if your employer has decided you're not working there, and it doesn't matter what you put on a piece of paper, at that point, it's a termination. If I tell you as my employee, you have two, two options, employee. Either I fire you. Mm. or you resign yeah. and you say, okay, I'll take option two and I'll resign, that is still a termination because either way, I'm telling you, you don't have a job. Either way, you're not working for me. Well, if I've made that decision, you're not working for me, it doesn't matter if you ultimately resign. That is a termination. You are owed your full severance. If you ever did that, if you ever uh, resigned because someone told you you had to or resign or else, you actually were terminated. You actually are owed your full severance, and I sure hope you got it. So, you know, sometimes, and I know you've come across people who have done this, you know, you've been having a bad few weeks or a few months or even years for that matter. Stuff's kind of built up, and it's kind of reached the boiling point, and one day you just lose your you-know-what. You walk in, I can't take this place anymore, look at this back, I'm out of here, and you walk out. How do you handle that? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, heat of the moment uh, type stuff. Yeah. Maybe you had a kind of a, a, a bad day or a bad week or, uh, you know, something was said that just, you know, pushed you over the edge and now, now you're gone, you're out of there. Well, a heat of the moment of resignation is something that it, you can take back. A real resignation, generally, you cannot necessarily take back. But a heat of the moment one, one of those things where you get frustrated, your, your blood's boiling, you, you know, you stomp out of there saying that's it. Uh, and probably feel really good about it at the time, but by the time you get home, you realize, holy cow, what did I just do? I need this job. Well, in that situation, you have a fairly short window to take it back. Usually a few days, you know, two, three days, something in that range. And if you do take it back and the company lets you go, uh, lets uh, lets you go back, no problem. If they say, no, we're not going to take you back because you resigned, Mm. at that point, it becomes a termination. So if, even if though you've resigned, even though you're the one that said, I'm out of here, if you try to take it back and the company won't let you, it's a termination. You owed your full severance. So the trick, though, is, John, the, the key here is to take it back quickly. Soon, yeah. Soon, as soon as possible. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Michael, thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you this afternoon? Great. Thanks, guys. Hey, Good, I, brother. What's going on? I just wanted to ask. Uh, I work in sales management, and uh, the company I work for, each year, they have a, a layoff policy hmm. from, in December from uh, approximately December, mid-December to, to January 2nd, uh, because they're, 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 their feeling is that there's not a lot of sales going on. So they decide to lay us off, um, and with with no pay. Now that being said, uh, we can use our vacation days uh, during that period 
uh, to get to get paid. But if you take your vacation days in the summertime, uh, and 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 therefore in that period in December you don't get paid, is that illegal? So, Michael, is this something that the company, as far as you're aware, because since you've been there, have always done, or is this something new that they've just implemented? No, they've always done it. So here's the thing. Because they've always done it, it's become a term of employment. What I mean by that, it's now the the kind of the reality that you work under, that from mid-December until January, you get laid off, and then you continue working in January. Now, if this is something that they decided, let's say, this year, well, this year we've decided that uh, because it's low, we're going to lay people off. No, they would not be allowed to do that. They would not be allowed to change the terms of employment to implement this new policy. But because this has always been a term of employment or it's something that they've been doing for a long time, it's even though obviously it's going to make you and I'm sure your colleagues not very happy, it is legal because it's it's a term of employment. So they can't just impose it, but once they already have it in place, it's a term of employment and, and there's not much that can be done about it. Even under a management schedule, I'm not an hourly employee. Right. E- even still, even still, if, if as, as long as this has been going on for a while and something they've done for a while, it's kind of understood, it is something that they're allowed to do. Yes. They, like I said, they couldn't simply have decided to just implement this out of the blue. That would be a constructive dismissal without a question. But because it's been happening and, and it's uh, something that's a, a policy they've had for a while, yes, they can do that. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the call. You want to reach out further uh, for anything else? You want to uh, call Lior directly? No problem. 604-283-3123. Help at employmenthour.com. And for the remainder of our time here, of course, on the station, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Still get a couple more of these talking points in. Um you know, they're often concerned that it's better to have resigned than to be let go. It, it, it's that whole mindset, oh, I don't want that on my permanent record. We've heard that, too. I don't want to mark right. since I've been, I've, I've been let go. That looks bad. I'd rather resign and, and look squeaky clean. That's, that's wrong thinking, correct? It is absolutely wrong thinking. Well, let's start with the idea that there's no such thing as a record. Okay, There's right. no uh, database that, that's, that logs whether you've been fired or you've resigned. And you know, well, let's say a, for, a future employer cannot log onto a database and find out what happened. So no, there's nothing to be worried about in that regard. Generally speaking, if you're let go, you want to get your compensation. If you yep. resign... Uh, you're, you're going to make it more difficult for you to get that compensation. So no, th- there's really no reason to resign. If the company says, uh, you know, resign or we're letting you go, say, well, then let me go. Because then they ha- have to pay your severance. There's no argument. There's no uh, anything that they can say to avoid it. Now, the only exception to that is if you've done something terrible, something so bad that it amounts to just, ca- just cause for termination, well... In that case, you wouldn't be getting severance in any event because the company has a cause to let you go. Well, I guess you may as well resign. You know, it really wouldn't matter. But in most cases, even if you've done something wrong, and this is key, even if you've done something wrong, it does not mean that the company has cause to let you go. It's extremely difficult to terminate someone for cause. It's the death penalty. So if you've done something wrong and the company says, because you did this something wrong, we're going to fire you unless you resign, you should still absolutely say, then fire me. You're going to get severance because that's not cause. There's no record. It's not going to hurt you in terms of future employment. Be smart. Make sure you protect your rights. Make sure you get what you're owed. If you're not sure what to do before you do anything, 
you call me, you email me, and we'll talk about it. So it, it really comes down to simply being a matter of optics. You're thinking, oh, I don't want that blemish on my so-called record, which we now know doesn't exist. But it's again, you got to get your mindset around the fact that that really doesn't matter. It's about what's going to be in your pocketbook after all this thing comes through the wash, right? Well, obviously, if it was going to hurt you in the future, you may say, forget about severance. I don't want it to hurt my career. But there's yep. no record. There's no yeah. database. It's not logged. So there's nothing to worry about. Get what you're owed. Yeah, we'll get back to our chat about uh, face, fake resignations and how to navigate uh, those waters, particularly in some emails as well. But first, I want to get to, over to uh, Robin. Robin, thank you so much for hanging on there for a couple of minutes. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. No problem. Um, my question is around employment contracts. I got fired from my job a couple of years ago, and there was nothing I could do because of the employment con- contract I signed. So my question is, I'd like to go have a lawyer look at a new employment contract, but what, do I have any, like, if I say, no, I don't like this contract, they can then just rip it up and say, yeah, well, we don't want you working for us. So what, what, can, what can you do with an employment contract? Because it seems like it's always protecting the employer, and you're so excited to get that job that you kind of just scan over it, and you send it back, and you're ready to get going, and you're on cloud nine, and then when they fire you, you realize that you just find something that you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, there's nothing you can do. Absolutely. And that, that's a great, great question. And, you know, for, for our, our listeners, in case you want a, just a clarification, something Robin said is Robin was saying that uh, one of the terms of her previous employment contract was that her severance was limited. So when she was let go, she couldn't get her full severance because of yep. the terms of the employment agreement. And the problem with that is a term like that in the employment agreement can literally cost you tens of thousands of dollars in lost severance. So it's a great question in terms of how do we negotiate that out? And, and it's quite possible, and, and we do this all the time. So here's my thoughts, Robin, in terms of uh, how we go about negotiating. Obviously, the first step is to identify the, the terms that you need to negotiate. Maybe it's a term dealing with termination. Maybe it's something else. And, and what I would do at that point is I would approach the company not with a laundry list of demands. If you go to them with 25 demands, you're going to send the wrong message. You're going to send the message that you're difficult to deal with, and that's not going to work. So I would narrow it down to maybe two. If, you know, if, if possible, two would be great, no more than three. Uh, and the way I'd approach them is to say I'm very excited about the position. I believe I'm the right candidate. I can't wait to get started. I just have a couple of issues I wanted to raise. And... Oftentimes, when you put it that way, uh, a company is, well, first of all, the worst thing that can happen is they'll say, sorry, we can't change it. You're not going to lose the offer. Uh, and, and so that's a good thing to know. But in many cases, keep in mind, just because you're happy about the job, don't forget that the company is happy to have found you. In most cases, a company, when they hire someone, they go through a long process, they interview a bunch of people, there's a number of rounds, and finally, after all that process, they found their candidate. Well, in many cases, they're not going to want to lose that candidate because the candidate is concerned about something like uh, job security. So don't assume that just because something is in the contract, you can't negotiate it out. Be reasonable. Make sure that they know you want the position. Make sure that you're not someone that's difficult to deal with. Uh, and make a proposal. Propose something else. Make it easier for them to say yes rather than say change this. Change this is, oh, my God, what does that mean? We have to go back and talk to a lawyer. No, no. Say, here's what I propose we put instead. Make it as easy for them as possible to just do a check mark and say yes. Now, at the end of the day, you certainly can't make them. And if you can't make the change, you'll have to decide whether you want the position or not. But always try 
do it the way I said, make it as easy as possible for, the, for them to say yes, and don't forget that they may want you as badly as you want the job, perhaps even more. Okay, and is it, is it, what if you don't have, what if they don't give you an employment contract? Is that actually in your benefit? Oh yes, then, then oh, yeah. you, you go to uh, your, your friends and you give them some nice high fives because that's a great, great result. You as the employee are, be- are better off to start a job on a handshake. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but you do not want an employment agreement uh, if, if you can avoid it, a written one when you start a job. Because all that means, if you don't have a written employment agreement, it means you have the full protection of the law. An employment agreement often takes away some of those protections that you would have and, and eliminates them. So you're better off not to have an employment agreement or to have a, a one-liner or an email saying, yes, you're starting on Monday. That is much, much better than to have a 10-page uh, contract. So if that's your situation, be happy. And if you ever are let go, you know you'll get your full severance. Thank you so much. Robin, appreciate the call and uh, do that. And please follow up with us and let us know uh, what happens at a later date. At least reach out to Lior sometime as well. 604-283-3123 is the uh, number you want to use. Still remainder of time here. You can call in just like Robin did. Have your questions uh, answered as well. The number for that, of course, is uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. So before we get to, uh, to Sarah's phone call here, I wanted to ask you what... How do you prove if you've been told to resign? Someone's like, I didn't want to resign. They told me to. They're saying, no, 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 that's that's not how it went down. How do you do yeah, it? We, we never told you to resign. What are yeah. you talking about? Right. So, so very important, and I can almost assure you that if it's a he said, she said situation, that's going to happen. The company's going to deny it. So what do yeah. you do? You, very simple. You send an email. Very, very simple. Very quick to do. So if the company says resign or else, and ultimately you decide to resign, make sure you send an email saying, to, just so you know, I only resigned because you told me I had no choice. I resigned because this happened. I resigned because you uh, told me that if I don't resign, this is going to happen to me. An email, a one-liner that's sent at the time, not a month later. That doesn't help you. Send that at the time you've resigned or within you know a day or so of it. If you do that, you're protected. Then you can still pursue your severance. It's going to be very difficult for the company to say, no, no, that didn't happen. Email works great. Document it. Uh, and if you're not sure how to do it, what to do with it, call me. Call me right away, and I'll tell you. Say it's not a situation where a cut and dry where the boss has told you to resign, but a bit a bit of a different angle here. What if an employee resigns because something happened in the workplace? I mean, it made it difficult to continue working there, for example. Then how do you handle that? So a classic example is harassment. Sure. If someone is being mistreated, they're being harassed by a, a boss, a colleague, uh, whoever, a manager... Uh, if you resign because of harassment or because of something else that makes it difficult to continue working, then you're clearly not resigning voluntarily. And what do we call that? Well, we call that a fake resignation. So if you resign because of uh, someone else doing something to you, the law considers that to be a termination, a constructive dismissal. Anytime you resign because something's happened in the workplace, you're being mistreated, it's harassed, or maybe your job has changed and now you don't want to accept this change, your hours, your compensation, your your role was changed, and you decide not to accept it and leave, even though you're the one leaving, you're the one saying, I'm out of there, that is not something that's considered in the eyes of the law a resignation. Uh, it's considered a termination. So if, if you're ever harassed, probably the classic remedy for harassment is constructive dismissal. You resign, you treat that as a termination, you get your severance, and you move on. 
Still time to call in for you. Still plenty of it, actually, before we uh, take a break and then come back again. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And before we get to some common uh, uh, employment law questions, you get pretty much every day in the office on the phones and emails as well. I want to slide this email over to you from Beth. She says, uh, my husband works in construction. He's never been laid off in 10 years, but his employer just gave him notice of a layoff saying that he may be called back later in the fall, possibly the winter. What can he do? Yeah, well, it's not uh, it's something that's important that we discuss because a lot of people believe that you know in construction it's kind of the wild west and employer can do what it wants yeah, and yeah. certainly there's no severance. Well, that is wrong. That is false. An employee has the same rights when it comes to severance, when it comes to workplace rights generally, when uh, even if they're in construction. So if you're in a job where the layoff is assumed, maybe you always work part of the year and then you get laid off and come back, and that's the nature of the job. That's the way it's always been. That's fine. That is legal. And there's not much you can do about it, and that's okay. But if you're right, working a regular job, you know, working the 12 months of the year, and now the company says, well, now we're going to change that. Now, instead of working that, we're going to have you on the layoff. You're going yeah. to be off for a period of time. No, they cannot do that, even if you're in construction. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal, and you can still get your full severance. A company does not have a right to change the terms of employment in a significant way. doesn't matter if you work in construction or in any other industry. So if it's an implied term, if it's an agreed upon term, if it's the way it's always been, okay, no problem. If it's a new thing that the company did, that is a constructive dismissal. They cannot do that, which means you have a right to treat that as a termination. You have a right not to accept that. You have a right to get your severance and move on. You still have some time to call in uh, for yourself or a friend, family member, get some answers happening, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Moving over to uh, to George. Hey, George, good afternoon. How are you? Hi there. Uh, I have a question as an employer. Sure. Uh, I, have, I own a construction company. Sometimes we have four or five jobs, and, uh, you know, obviously two or Two jobs get finished and uh, we don't get new work and we have to let uh, a few guys go. Is that a legal process? What do we do in a case like that? So it's a very good question. Now, it's never illegal to let someone go. You can always let someone go. It's only a question of what do you have to pay them? What severance do you have to pay them if you let them go? So the reality is that, yes, you do have to pay them something. Now, depending on how long they work for you, exactly what they do, and even their age, they're going to have different entitlements. The best way you can protect yourself as the employer so that you don't have to pay a lot of money, so that you have a lot of flexibility to run your business, is to have a proper employment agreement with these individuals. You should never, ever hire someone. Again, I'm talking to you as the employer. You should never hire anyone without a proper employment agreement. It does not need to be a 10-page document. It doesn't even need to be a 5-page document. But it has to be something that gives you that flexibility, that has some terms about your uh, what you're going to pay them, if anything, when when uh, you have to let them go. If you have that, you're protected. If you don't have that, you have exposure. At some point, one of these people may realize that they're owed compensation, and they may go after you. They may not realize it, but they are owed compensation, and, and you may have to pay them significant amounts at some point. Can I, ask, can I follow up? Uh, when you say significant amount, like uh, if... Uh there is no work like if uh, like a job is finished or sometimes in my business, I get promised 
uh, from a client that the job is going to start in a couple of months or the permit is going to be ready or something like that. And it just doesn't happen. Say we have a project someplace that uh, the, a, a particular uh, municipality uh, was supposed to give us the permit, but it got delayed for reasons out of my control. What do I do in a case like that? So uh, the reality is that even if you don't have a proper employment agreement and you let someone go because of that, you still have to pay them. Now, if you, if you want me to tell you how much, I'll need to know how long they work for you and what kind of a job they're doing and, and how old they are. But it could be anywhere from a week's pay to a few months' pay, right, depending on, on those factors. The only way you could have the flexibility to let them go without having to pay them anything is to have an employment agreement. And so it's very simple to do. It's a one-time thing. So my recommendation to you, uh, George, is to, to, to have an employment agreement drafted. I can help you with that if you'd like. You have everyone sign that document, and then you're protected. Then you don't have to worry about it. Can I, uh, if I didn't have an employment agreement with them initially, can I have one, like, now? Mm. Great question. The answer is yes. We'll have to give them something in return. Maybe, you know, uh, some, I don't know, a pay raise or, or some other promise. I can talk to you more about that in detail. But the short answer is yes, we can. We just have to be smart about it. But I would absolutely recommend, even if you don't have them already, have them agree to agreements now. But let's talk about it. Let's make sure you have proper agreements. And let's talk about exactly how to introduce those. So, George, I want you to connect with me off air as soon as possible. Let's have that discussion. Let's make sure that your business is protected. George, appreciate the call. Some good questions there. And if you're listening, that's exactly how we uh, we roll on this show. Questions answered for sure. George, you want to reach out, which you should, and get a hold of Lior at a later time after the show, 604-283-3123. Help at employmenthour.com is, uh, is the way to contact. And you know, I want to slide over to a couple of emails here. Well, we still have some time. Again, phone call 604-280-9898. If you got one you want to uh, want to ask, we'd love to have you on. Frank says, my former employer found out that I'm uh, working for a competitor of theirs and is now threatening to take legal action against me. Any advice? Well, yeah. First of all, obviously, we want to understand, we want to know if Frank signed uh, an employment agreement that had a non-competition obligation yeah, in it. Right. So employment agreement, as I said before a few times on the show, very important documents. And if Frank signed it, well, that may be a problem. Now, keep in mind, I want to say this right off the bat, that in most cases, even if you signed a non-competition obligation, for most of you, that is not enforceable. It's only going to be enforceable for the most senior positions, your executives, your fiduciaries, your VPs, etc. For most of you, it's not going to be enforceable. But the fact that it's actually legally not enforceable does not mean you can ignore it. Because if you ignore it and say, ah, it's not enforceable, I'm just going to work for a competitor, I don't care what I signed, mm. well, you're taking the risk that your former employer may go after you. Now, because it's not enforceable, they will lose eventually, but in the meantime, they'll still make your life miserable, it's going to cost you a lot of money, and it's not going to be a good experience. So, Frank, if you actually signed a non-competition obligation and you've breached it, you have a problem, and, and the way I would deal with this problem is I would contact your former employer, assure them that you're not trying to steal their clients, you're not trying to steal their employees, and you're not revealing their confidential information. In many cases, once they know that, and maybe even get you to sign something that says that, they'll back off, they'll be fine. 
and, and hopefully that's the case. But some more vindictive companies, if you will, mm. may decide to go after you. And I hope that's not the case. If it is, call me. Let, let's sit down and, and have a discussion how we defend against that. But there's very important lessons there for, for all our listeners. We cannot just ignore our employment agreements. It's not always a question about whether something is enforceable. It's a question of whether the company is going to try to enforce it. And the non-competition obligation is a, a prime example of that. Do not ignore it. If you ignore it, if you say, well, forget it, I'm going to work wherever I want, you're doing so at your own risk, and you are taking a chance that your former employer ultimately may decide to take legal action against you. Now, the non-compete, whereas, you know, nine times out of ten, if not greater, you will come out on the other end unscathed, just out a few bucks and some, and some hassle. The non-solicitation, which often follows that one, is a completely different story, yeah? It is. It's completely different. A non-solicitation... Uh, obligation essentially says that if you leave a company, you're not going to go after their customers, you're not going to go after their suppliers or their employees. And that, for most people, is going to be enforceable. So if you signed one of those non-solicitation obligations and you go work somewhere else and now you're going after your former employer's uh, business, mm-hmm. you will be on the receiving end of a lawsuit, which you'll probably lose and have to pay damages. So you cannot ignore those, Okay. If you're in an industry where there's a very limited client base, well, you have to be very careful about accepting a job that prevents you from uh, going after the same clients. You have to be very smart about it. You have to be pay very close attention to your employment agreement. If you don't care about your employment agreement now, you'll care about it later. So be smart about it. Brian, you're up next. Brian says, I've uh, worked for a company for three years in sales position, selling windows and doors, and I was just let go. They consider me to be an independent contractor. I worked exclusively for them full time, but did not have an office, and I paid my own expenses. Am I entitled to severance? John, if I had a dime for every time I, I get this question or a, a variation of it, uh, my yep. God, uh, it, it's unbelievable how common this is. This goes to what we talk about often, misclassification. When someone is misclassified as an independent contractor, when they're really, in the eyes of the law, are employees. Uh, So for this particular uh, person, if he works somewhere for three uh, years, he's a regular employee, works full-time, etc., he's an employee. It doesn't matter what the company calls him. doesn't even matter what he believed that he was. It doesn't matter what he signed. Either he's an employee or he's not. So it's very, very uh, common situation. So because he's an employee, because he's been misclassified, he is owed severance. He's owed full severance. And this is a very common issue. I assure you right now, there are dozens of people out there listening to me right now who are working, quote unquote, as independent contractors when they're not even close to being that. The law would consider them to be an employee. And that's important for many reasons, one of which is if you lose that job, because you're an employee, you should be getting severance. So if you're not sure if you're an employee or an independent contractor, if you're not sure whether you should be getting severance or how much severance, call me. Let's talk about that. But yes, this particular situation, the email you just read, yeah, if he's selling windows in those, working for three years for a company, he's an employee. I don't care what the company calls him. He is owed severance. Yeah, I think we've said before, if it was that easy, every employer just would be able to skirt the law and call everybody an independent contractor and be, uh, you know, unharmed by severance if it ever came down the pike, right? It's not. It doesn't work that way. It would right. be a very interesting situation. Really, we'd, we'd have no employment laws if it was that easy 
to get around them, right? You yeah. can you can have laws, but the laws are meaningless if you can't be enforced. If they, if they can't be enforced, everyone would be an independent contractor. Uh, and guess what? Our our friends at the CRA won't like that either because they'll be dealing with all kinds of deductions. So the reality on the ground is what matters. Now, what you call yourself, that's what not what the company calls you. If you look like an employee and you act like an employee, you are an employee, which, by the way, John, may mean you're owed overtime and vacation pay and minimum wage and holiday pay, not to mention, of course, as I said, your full severance. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.